yet from our point of view, it's suffering at the cross, right? But from the divine point of view, it meant glory for him. He would soon leave his disciples. Again, no more in-person lessons, right? He would soon leave his disciples and return to the Father who sent him. Why? Because Jesus had finished what the Father had sent him to do. Jesus could not be arrested. He could not be executed. He could not be arrested or executed until the right hour had arrived. And once the right hour had arrived, Jesus could then take up the right position. That right position being that of servant to complete his mission. And now the hour is here. And now the suffering of the servant will begin, but it will not begin until an act of service to those around him takes place. Think about it this way. Think about it this way in terms of Jesus knowing the end was coming and it wasn't going to be a pleasant ending. John 13 tells us that the Father had given him all things, right? And all means all, right? Into the hands of his only Son. And this statement parallels John chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 11. But even in his humiliation, Philippians 2, even in his humiliation, the Lord had all he ever needed from the Father. He was poor, yet he was rich. He was poor and yet he was rich because Jesus knew where he was, uh, where he came from, what he had, and where he was going. He had complete control over the situation. And it's from that place of security, even in the face of death, that Jesus is able to serve. So then, what about us? What about me and you? I mean, as believers, we too have been born again of God. We are called sons and daughters of God, created in the image of God. And that through ordinary water and the very power of the word, uh, we know one day we will be with God. And that through Christ, we have all things. We know that we're forgiven. We know that we've received his mercy. We know that we have been brought to a place of grace and strength. And so with this knowledge and possession, are we not able then as the people of God to serve others around us? Who is it in your life that is difficult to serve? Think about it that way, right? Who is it in your life that is difficult to serve? Perhaps it's a, a rowdy neighbor, right? Maybe it's a sloppy coworker, or maybe it's your self-righteous cousin, right? Maybe it's your teenager, right? You see, it's one thing to serve someone who is easy to serve because you have a good relationship with them, but it's another to practice servanthood towards those whom you don't or perhaps don't even know. So in Christ, we're confronted with this sort of rhetorical question that is serving really that hard at all? in Christ because the text challenges us to recall from whose strength we're serving others a strength and power brothers and sisters that is not our own so who are you am I uh, serving not from our own resources but rather from the resource that is Jesus himself that's what's been given to us in this act of humility this act of sovereign servanthood on our behalf You see, what Jesus knew now determines what Jesus did. Will what you know determine what you do? 
This is verses four and five of the gospel text. Remember how I told you verses one through three will tell us what Jesus knew and four through five will tell us what Jesus did. Well, this is what Jesus now does. And if you think about this story of Jesus and the disciples, do you think he was shocked, uh, the disciples were shocked by his behavior? <laughs> I mean, when they saw the rabbi rise from supper, lay aside the robe, take the towel and water and wash their feet, they must have been like, huh? I mean, even the protests of Peter, uh, we can hear in the text, uh, you know, no, 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 this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Rabbis don't serve their students. Masters don't serve their servants. And yet, Jesus does serve. Why? Uh, perhaps it was the competitive spirit amongst the disciples. <laughs> we know that from the text in just a few minutes, uh, they're disputing amongst themselves, right? Who the leader is? Uh, who the greatest is? So this unforgettable lesson in humility also then perhaps rebukes their pride and selfishness. But whatever the way you look at it, it's this idea that it's a profound scene with profound implications, one that would never leave them. In fact, uh, I think this verse from 1 Peter 5, all right, later on in Peter's ministry, 1 Peter 5, I think this is in Peter's memory when he writes this down. This is what Peter writes in 1 Peter 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Perhaps that's what Peter had in mind when he wrote that verse. But think of it this way. Again, as I said earlier, the father had put all things into the son's hands. All things. Yet Jesus instead picks up the towel and the basin, right? To wash the feet of the disciples. His is a humility not born out of poverty, but of riches, in fact, Scripture tells us he was rich, yet he became poor. This is the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You know, it's remarkable how the Gospel of John, I think, reveals the humility of our Lord, even while magnifying his deity that is, his relationship uh, as son to the Father. Uh, John 6.38 says, For I came, uh, Jesus, uh, speaking of Jesus, John 6.38 has Jesus saying, For I came down from heaven not to do my will. Or John chapter 8, verse 50, has Jesus saying, I seek not my own glory. And of course, the ultimate expression of humility is his crucifixion for us, that which we will uh, attend to tomorrow night with Good Friday. His death so that you and I, so that we would know the forgiveness of sins and the reality of life everlasting in our lives as his followers. So Jesus then, in a sense, goes from sovereign to servant, this sovereign servanthood, right? Lord and master who serves the servants. Just as a cross and an empty tomb are symbols uh, of Jesus's ministry, a basin and towel is also a symbol. A basin and towel is also a symbol we often forget about, but they become for us the symbols for the life of Christ, and they become for us now also symbols as followers of Christ. 
You know, it's been well said that humility is not thinking badly of yourself. It is simply not thinking of yourself at all. (laughs) True humility grows out of our relationship with the Father. If If our desire is to know and do the Father's will, then as we follow Jesus, serving others will then become a part of what we're called to do. And brothers and sisters, we'll probably get a chance to do it in person sooner than later. So from the washing of the feet to the Last Supper, the Lord has laid the foundation for us to live a life of faith before the world and also for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue now uh, with our confession of faith that's found in the words of the Nicene Creed, a little bit different from what we're normally uh, doing on a Sunday with the Apostles' Creed, but uh, since it is an evening uh, to remember uh, Maundy Thursday and the Passover meal, uh, let us make that shared confession with other Christians around the world um, in the words of the Nicene Creed. We say with one voice together, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, who for us too was crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose according to the scriptures, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom shall have no end. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who together with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and life age to come. Amen. We continue now with our uh, responsive prayers as found on page seven of the service folder. I invite you to join me uh, in the prayers of God's people. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, in the midst of the solemnities of this Holy Week, we rejoice and give thanks for the blessed sacrament of salvation. In your mercy, you give us the very body and blood of your only begotten Son, in this bread and wine, to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins, for life and salvation. Strengthen your church that as we are nourished by the true manna from heaven, we may be found faithful in doctrine and practice.
Grant, O Lord, your mercy, blessing and peace to those in the distress of sin and guilt, to those in the pains of illness, to those in the shame of conscience, the ache of sorrow, the loneliness of separation, and the fear and sting of death. Now at your holy table, grant us the promised blessing of forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation for both body and soul. We long for the day when we shall drink with you in your kingdom. We pray the prayer our Father taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our service now continues uh, with the service of the sacrament. We'll begin with the proper preface on page 8 of the service folder. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us in all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, also after supper, took the cup. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me.
is good. Almighty God, who has given your Son to be for us both a sacrifice for sin and an example of good, godly life, give us grace that we may always most thankfully receive his enormous gift and follow the blessed steps of his most holy life through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Take and eat the very body of Christ, given unto death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now may this very body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of God's love for you. Go with this peace and his blessing. Amen. Sadness from wherever you've been, your broken heart and let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come in. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can tell. Hope for the hopeless and all those who strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest and endurance. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. Joy for the morning, oh sinner, be still. 
Earth has no sorrow that heaven can tell. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can feel. and grace in our lives the washing of the disciples feet the meal celebrating the Passover the opening of the minds and hearts of all to believe and see that Jesus is the Passover lamb fulfilling meeting exceeding the requirements of the sacrifice for our forgiveness and grace so that we might be empowered to live to your glory and for the good of others so sustain us into the night, waken us refreshed in the morning, go forth into the world to tell others about your love for the world you created, redeemed, and rescued. In Jesus' name, amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless us and keep us. Amen. We close with hymn number 431, Not All the Blood of Beasts. <laughs>